0: What's happening, weirdos? This is uh, obviously a bonus episode because it's Friday, not Wednesday. I'm in my hotel in Boston. I'm about to do some more book shows. Thank you to everybody who came out in Brooklyn uh, for the live event, which was with John Mulaney. I wasn't allowed to promote that, but everybody that came uh, got the sweet, sweet bonus, uh, which was obviously awesome. And I'm so glad that people came out and I'm so glad that weirdos are buying and enjoying the book. Uh, Obviously I worked really hard on it. And it means so much that it's, that it's, uh, getting through to people. I just, I just had dinner with my parents and I can't say the same about them. (laughs) What was I thinking? That, that was, that was never going to happen. Although they do like it. They do like it as, as much as they can. Um, it's a little bit weird for them. It's a little bit new age for me, Peter. Um, I do want to apologize. So this is with Daniel Burke. I want to make sure that I'm getting that right. Yep. Daniel Burke, who is the CNN, uh, religion reporter and a writer. And uh, we had an idea to do a special episode of this podcast where he would interview me about some of the ideas in the book. Um, so this is a little taste. If you weren't able to come to a book event, this is a little taste of what sort of some of the talking points I've been going over and, and getting into the book and the process of the book and the content of the book. And, um, and also just some interesting, regular, you made it weird style stuff. But I guess I'm the guest, as if I don't talk enough. Right In the normal episodes But this time uh, they they suggested to do a special episode I thought it was a great idea Um, And you can order the book Obviously anywhere Books are sold If you're nasty And uh, I do want to apologize We didn't record this in a studio I thought we were going to uh, But it turns out that the uh, setup Wasn't exactly what we normally do So I apologize Uh, We tried to clean it up Katie, thank you for doing that but uh, this, is as best, this is as good as we could get it to sound. But it's uh, what are we going to do? It's a bonus episode. If, uh, if you don't like it, uh, James Corden came out on Wednesday. And that has a bonus chapter, a free chapter of the audiobook in the intro, uh, if you want to check that out. But here is a, a little bit of a chat in my hotel room uh, in New York. Yes, actually this morning that we're releasing, just to get a little bit more out about the book and share a little bit more about my thoughts and, and the process and all that. Why am I explaining this so much? No, no needs for Pete's picks or anything. This is, this is just a bonus. This is a bonus. Thanks to everybody that came out. I can't wait to see you in Boston. I'll see you in LA for the live, You Made It Weird uh, with Colin Hay and basically the live, You Made It Weird with Rob Bell. You can go to largo-la.com for tickets to both of those. And in the meantime, enjoy my chat with the CNN religion reporter, Daniel Burke. Get... Oh, I do miss Val and Leela very much. I've been away. I wish Val was here. Get into it. That's my Val impression. Get into it. We don't have to go two hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I suppose they could. I've had some guests say they... Don't, like James Corden just did it. He was like, I only have an hour and whatever. Uh-huh. Or you know what they really do? the The, the class acts like James... Is um, their producers will say, they only have an hour. Right. And then James will say, oh, I God. have it all the time in the world. Right. But you sort of... And that's brilliant, and I wouldn't change that for the world, because you sort of know it's on you. Like, somebody mm-hmm. somebody basically kindly reminded you that he has a lot of things to do that day. Right. But but he, being a... I don't want to say a good celebrity, but like, yeah. it's not in his... I don't even want to say brand. I'm just saying it's so much better to have other people do that. Right. Even though it sounds sort of phony, I think it's actually kind of cool. <laughs> I get that a lot with politicians where they're like... Well, they have know, to, too.
1: That's what it is. It's political. The, the politician people are like, oh, I'd love to talk to you forever. And then there's someone's tugging at their elbow and right. they're trying to make you feel like special and, you know, they right. really want to leave you, but they're, they're gone. Right. <laughs> and they're right. sometimes happy to be gone. Um... So what's recording? This is recording? Yeah, this is recording. Okay. Um, So I really like the book. Thank you. Um, I've watched the show, uh, I've listened to the podcast. You talk about religion a lot in sort of a deep way. And I'm wondering, were there things that you couldn't say in stand-up or the show or the podcast that you could
0: say in the book? Um, I guess there were things that I... Uh, Saved for the book I I didn't really do it deliberately Except for the part at the end I don't know if people that listen to the podcast Notice that like I never really talked about my personal retreat With Round Us. And the reason I did that wasn't to Certainly wasn't to make people buy the book Or anything that deliberate Or Machiavellian or anything It was just like I was writing about it And it felt better in a book. I could explain it more, as opposed to like trying to squeeze a story like that or force a story like that while you're talking to Tom Green. You know what I mean? (laughs) You want to be like, well, that reminds me of my personal retreat, and then talk for fifteen minutes. I know people who like the podcast and don't like the podcast both agree that I will talk a lot, Um, but you know that that seemed like a little bit maybe too sacred or yeah. To, it's it's a real story, you know what I mean. You sort of need all of the the parts, so it felt best for a lecture or a book. Mm-hmm. So I like doing it in the book. It's sort of
1: hard to describe. I've tried with writing to describe those sort of moments that are like ineffable, like the mystical mushroom experience, uh, the experience with Ram Dass. I'm curious, like when you met him in person. What was going on there between you? Like, I think your wife commented it like you guys were in love,
0: but, like, it right. didn't seem like there was that much, like, verbal communication. No, there wasn't. In fact, I left this out of the book, but his his caregiver, I think, sort of was like, what did you guys talk about? And I was like, nothing. And then I, I, I swear I got the sense that she was like, well, you should talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she sort of, like... Was nudging me. Maybe... I was just actually talking to somebody about this last night where they were like, don't sell his mind short just because he's old. Mm -hmm. And obviously his body is sort of collapsing around him um, with the stroke and everything. And just, you know, he's 88. Mm -hmm. But um, somebody just last night was like, he's in there. Like, his brain is there. But I was like... I said this last night. I was like, I don't want to go like do you believe in free will and just have like a very old man who I love so dearly just kind of sigh and be like well and like what what thousandth time do you think it is that yeah. he's addressing that, that I actually find that question very boring <laughs> yeah. and I bet he does too because as you can see as he gets older he's just embodying Love and love is such a—it's—it's. It's, people talk about like why I use the word God in your book because God has been ruined. God has been used to rape and murder and mutilate, and I—I I completely understand. And while we're at it, love also is ruined. You know what I mean? Like all the words mm-hmm. are ruined. That's what human beings do—is we we ruin or tie or just advertising alone has ruined the mm-hmm. word love. So people don't even know really what I'm. Necessarily, what someone or me or anyone is talking about when they say love, what I'm really talking about with Ramdas and love, is is uh, is what Richard Rohr taught me about love, which is yes. It's like the word yes. It's like this beautiful. I, I like to say that you know love is is the energy that when we say God is love and God created the world, I'm talking about a yes. Like anyone can agree with that. You know what I mean? It's like it's a fundamental, forward moving. Green light, when two cells are splitting, that is an inherent, structured, chemical or whatever it might be, genetic. Yes, mm-hmm. and and w- science observes that and studies it. And the mystic, as I read in the book, is trying to like feel it and commune with it. And Ram Dass, as he gets older, doesn't really want to talk about, you know, what I, a lot of things I like to talk about, which might be like dorm room smoke a joint sort of conversations that I never got to have so I have them now um, it's a, it's sort of a waste of his time I saw him recently I saw him after the book mm-hmm. and we just we just sat there and it was the best it was the greatest thing in the world
1: so what do you what, do you just feel like this affirmational love when you're with him or what what do you what do you get at? Not yeah. it sounds sort of crass to say like what
0: you get out of it but what is experience like no what do you get out of it <laughs> that's a great question <laughs> You know, it's it it is. Um, it does sort of feel like a space heater or something. It's not. It's not like. Ramdas wrote this about his own guru, right, The Maharaji, mm-hmm. that yeah. that people would go and that read. Be here now. Mm-hmm. I love this time. I wish. I, I don't you wish you were alive? But... Oh my! I, if I could
1: be alive any time. Me I mean, too. Like
0: Sharon Salzberg picking up. At yes. and Going. Yes. And like, Oh
1: Just well, we're the same. Different world. Like I would love that.
0: I, that, I'm totally with you, and and meeting all these kooky characters, like yeah. really interesting. And I use this word deliberately. Cats. Yeah. Like interesting exactly. cats, like going to India. But what what you don't really hear, and I actually edited this out of my book uh. because it was um, I didn't catch it, but my editor caught it, and he's right. It's not with the theme What I do in the book is I establish that Maharaji Transformed everyone who saw him with his love Mm -hmm. And then I So it's cleaner for me to say And then I felt like I missed him Mm -hmm. And then in the end of the book I have my experience Um, And I included though At some point That some people who flew to India Like Sharon, like all these people Saw Maharaji Not necessarily young hippies But maybe like executive or whatever Just regular people Mm -hmm. Would go and they, and they just wouldn't get it, right? So, and so you can understand why in the narrative that's confusing. It's like, well, not everybody got it. So we, to clean up the story, we took that uh-huh. note out of the book. But it, it, it's worth mentioning now that like I think that there are countless, the majority maybe of people that would sit with Roundhouse and just be like, yeah, it seems like a sweet guy. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. or, 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 what, or nothing, right? What they say to be here now is that Maharaji just seemed like a fat man in a blanket. Right. He's like, great. What a waste. So when I say he's a space heater, he's a space heater to the extent in which you can feel your own space heater. You're really feeling your own space heater heating up. Uh You know what I mean? He taps into that. Yeah, he's warming you up. It's like an infrared sauna. An infrared sauna is not actually hot. Uh It makes you hot. Uh You're the heat source. (laughs) Like it's shooting waves into you. You heat up, and, and you know, the, the tiles are hot, but it's, it's a dry heat. So what, where does he get that power, though? Is his own spirituality, his own, like, I think what? it's he's out of the way. Uh-huh. I think, and this is super important, is that, like, this... this? Okay, so what I, when I talk about sin in the book, mm-hmm. I, know, I know you know a lot about this. You've probably read and written and talked a lot about this. But to me, sin is the static on the radio, right? Uh-huh. So if the song is, yes or love or god or the infinite whatever and what's more yes than infinite mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's yes that's a that's a yes camera pointing at a tv screen that says yes and it's just which last time i did lsd by the way i was like that's what this is it's just like it's just like infinite repeating yeah. everything that's the biggest yes i can imagine is in, infinity so what he so sin is the static on the radio, so you want the song to come in, and it 's not like this bad thing, this ugly thing, this nasty thing it's your disruption, right mm-hmm. and and you want the song to come in not to be a good boy or to go to heaven or to not go to hell, or whatever it is, you want the song because that's that's the juice that's the life that's the, that's the real thing, it's who you are, it's what this is, and it's really exciting and sexy and vital and real, and I don 't mean sexual intercourse, I just mean. Sexy. It's the friction. Yeah, yeah, attraction. Mm -hmm. It's yes. Yes is very it can be sexy it's like it's the way that bees are saying yes to flowers it's the way that magnets Michael Gunger writes in his book This which I highly recommend talks about magnets having like attraction to each other I know we just we learn about it in school and we go oh these things want to touch but there's something like fundamentally true about that and, and we're a part of that and, and our sexuality is a part of that sort of mentioned that in the book as well but all that's to say is I feel like Ram Dass has a clean radio And that's not to say that he's not angry sometimes. I'm sure he is. I've never seen it. But he's open about it. When you talk with him, that he's still... Gets angry, or he's still this or that, or I'm sure he gets hangry. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like positive that he gets hangry. He's an 88 year old man, and his body is constantly in pain. So I'm not saying the Christian model that I grew up in that he goes around being nice all the time. I'm saying he has remembered who we are, Mm -hmm. not who he is. Magic Guru Ramdas, all caps. I'm saying he's remembered what what this is and what we all are. And when you sit with something, like a mirror, like a clean mirror, mm-hmm. you can see yourself. And that's what people say gurus and teachers are like. They're like yeah. mirrors. Yeah. So I, I'm saying, like, my... And this sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, and I'm not, but my ability to sit and feel with Ramdas is reflective of my ability to sit and feel myself, mm-hmm. which sounds masturbatory. But you know what I mean? And it, I mean, I practice Zen Buddhism, so it's...
1: Yeah. It is sort of the same thing. Like... It can feel like you're only sort of going into yourself, navel gazing. But that's, as you know, you meditate, right? That's that's not what it. Sometimes that's what it is. Right. Right, <laughs> Of course. Yeah. When it's not going well, that's what
0: it is. But it's a sort of getting, <coughs> getting out of the way, something
1: deeper. Yeah. Exactly. So getting out ego way. out of the way.
0: What's going out of the way? Yeah. And what remains once you've gotten it out of the way? Right. That's the whole thing. Right. So I've been doing press all week, which so I am all loose and like ready to talk. But it's like. I, I've been saying that all of the mystical traditions... I want to sound like Richard Rohr... At their deeper levels... <laughs> he always says at their deeper levels... At their deeper, deeper levels is telling you you're not who you think you are. Right. So even Zen Buddhism, which isn't going to apply words like soul or God or whatever... Certainly not heaven and hell to it, which is great. It's why it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. You're, it's still having you ask the question, directly or indirectly, what's there? Right. When, when you're When you're swishing it out all the way what's there what's the witness then what's the witness of the witness then what's the witness of the witness of the witness and then you got you know getting to the zero or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. but that that is everybody's saying that you're not who you think you are right it's
1: it's interesting to read the book uh, because it seems like there's a part of you that's like always wanted to believe always searching for spiritual answers yeah Uh, the what is this is sort of like a physical and a metaphysical question wrapped up in one but then you describe yourself, when you go to your first retreat with Ram Dass as like a cynical comedian. Yeah. So I wonder how those two aspects of your personalities, do they
0: collide? Do they work together? Because you open-hearted believer and then like right. cynical comedian. Is it like just two different parts of your brain? Yeah, I, I would say one, you said it, it's one is your brain. The comedian is the brain. <laughs> Often. And, and the other one is, a, is an open heart. hmm It's funny because, like, you know, when Duncan Trussell goes to the retreats, I can feel... I I might be projecting, and Duncan, if you hear this, uh, it would be interesting if he agrees. When we see each other at that retreat, I I feel a part of me that's like, that we're not being that... Those ones of us. Right. (laughs) And that's not because we're doing something... We're not wearing white robes and, you know, like, baptizing ourselves. There's nothing going on like that. Mm -hmm. It's pretty normal. It's mostly meals. Uh, and some chanting or whatever but like would see each other and I I felt me being like this is Hawaii Ram Dass Retreat Pete uh, not Comedian Pete because yeah you're right Comedian, I sort of I make the point in the book that like I would go to museums to think about art right and I, I tie that into that I was thinking about God and that that is not how I see art or God or music but we're, we're all sort of you know, enslaved by our brains To a certain degree mm-hmm. That you think about music And you, you just start going like Well this is loud or this is fast Or this is better Or I like this voice or I don't like this voice And Richard Rohr again here he is He goes how you do anything is how you do everything Yeah I just heard that Isn't that beautiful yeah, So nice. how you like critique and can't let in a song
1: mm-hmm.
0: Is how you critique and can't let in the world And it's how you critique and can't let in it mm-hmm. this the whole the whole big yes you can't you can't say yes to this and that is causing a lot of suffering and friction mm-hmm. so obviously like your comedy my comedy everybody's comedy comes from the a lot of times it comes from the brain where you're like um, you idiot like I, I, okay so even a, a bit of mine that I think is about mindfulness that it's at super its levels huh, is like is me saying. When I'm in traffic I like it When you're in traffic You're mad My way is better And I'm doing it For comedic effect So I, To use a Buddhist word I'm detached mm-hmm. But I'm also like You fucking idiot Where do you think You're going You know it yeah. thats It's way funnier To be in the brain. Right And to be like you're going to work You fucking asshole Live your life now And just enjoy it Call an old friend All that stuff yeah. it's, it's, it's the comparative brain It's the funnier part of me And people delight in that and, and I think they take solidarity in that That they're seeing someone else sort of struggle with it So even if you are trying to say like Happiness is in the moment You're still speaking from your mind In fact when I wrote that joke About museums which is in the book I went to the museum to write a joke about museums. If There's never been a more comedian thing than that. And it was the Met. Uh-huh. I took the train to the Met with a notebook and got out, or maybe it was my phone, but I got out specifically because I needed material. And I was like, I'll just write a joke about the museum. So what are Pete's chances? That Pete. What are his chances to be moved by... Any painting. Mm-hmm. And we all do this. And I, I write that we do that at the botanical gardens. And we do it when you... its You know, it's what we're doing in a comedy club. If you're watching a showcase. I like this guy. I don't like this guy. I like this joke. I don't like this joke. And I'm not saying we should all just, like, melt and become indiscriminate and just, like, shine at everything. But that's kind of what Ramdas is doing. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's the ideal of a lot of the religions, right? But it's it very hard to live in that... In that
0: world Because the problem is You'll seem phony, right? And mm-hmm. we don't want to seem Disingenuous And I don't want to seem Disingenuous So people, you know Tell me jokes as a comedian I don't want to laugh It reminds me of my Youth pastor mm-hmm. Who would just sort of be like Ha <laughs> And it was just this It was very sweet And well-meaning But I won't do that Was it fake? It was fake Of course it was fake It was a terrible joke Or like I I can't remember A specific moment But I I definitely know There were times Where I'm like I know he's heard That joke before You know Sometimes people say That about me When I'm laughing At my own jokes Yeah you're right Good discernment That's very nice You're right on the money But like We don't want to be phony So that's another point Like when you clean up the static on the radio the song will be clear mm-hmm. but so many of us are going around pretending our song is clear and the and the attributes of someone when the song is clear is kindness mm-hmm. is patience you're not going to steal or lie or cheat or hurt most likely almost almost definitely yeah but like we're as i've said on this podcast many times you, you know you're putting the cart before the horse and acting like the transformation inward has happened But it's all outward It's all just like I'll just act like I think everything's great But secretly When I get home I'm going to tell my wife Or my friend That I really hated the sermon But when I see the pastor I'm going to be like, That was amazing Because that's what we do We're in the the nice Perpetuating business Uh And being nice is nice It's always important Speaking of the last time I did LSD I was like It wasn't deep at all I just was like Being nice is nice And it felt like The most profound (laughs) It was like You don't have to grade it you don't have to rank it. Right. Like being nice is nice. I'll take fake nice, any nice. Right. If you're in one of these things that's capable of torment and torture and horror and nastiness, and you choose nice for any reason, good. Yeah. Score good. <laughs> and, and then we could get all carried away with anything else, like talking about it, thinking about it. You know, ethic ethics and all that stuff, it doesn't you know, it's that's right. that's later. Just be nice. Yeah. So I'm into that. But also be ni- being nice because it's the way a river flows. Now we're sort of into Taoism. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're just nice because that is what you've become, if you are loving because that's what you've become, you've become the place in you. That is love, which is sort of what happens with me at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about love, but becoming love. Then, yeah, you're probably going to act loving. Will you get pulled out of it, especially in New York, when somebody is standing too close to you on the train and watching Instagram stories out loud? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But can you get back? Yes, go back, leave, go back, leave, go back. That's the whole thing. Right. The sine wave, up and down, up and down, up and down. How do you?
1: What do you practice daily that keeps you on the, the not nice side, but whatever that keeps you grounded, that keeps you mindful, like, that keeps you in that state of? You describe it really well in the book, where you're like at the airport and you know people are yelling, but you can still maintain that feeling of thinking. Nothing's really wrong here. Right. Everything is okay. And I've been in that space sometimes. It's fleeting.
0: Right. It's (laughs) great, though, isn't (laughs) it? It's great. Dude, I had to edit this book when I didn't agree with myself because it was late and I had a headache. So I would be reading it and I'm like, what is this guy on? You know, like just so. Because you're right, it's fleeting. Yeah. I would write the book in those places Uh and often get in the places because I was writing it. But then when I was editing it, I would be like, Man, I gotta check the grammar of this manic or whatever I thought I was when I was grumpy. So I'm with you. It's fleeting. Yeah, it's like the critical brain stepping into that, and like, yeah. Yeah, the heart wrote it. Yeah. And then the head was like, "Are you sure you want to say ecstatic so many times? <laughs> you know?" So he had to like cross things out. It's really hard
1: to describe like the mystical experiences and those experiences. It's the reason that I think. Like, it's hard to write about mindfulness and meditation because it seems so simple. Right. But it's not easy, right? Right. But, like, if you write it on the page, you're like, huh, that's it. Well, That's then that meditation. That's like you could describe
0: it in a line. Well, that's why somebody, uh, I don't know if it was on Instagram or something, but I'll, I'll admit at times like this when books come out and stuff, I tend to be on social media more just to mm-hmm. see what people are, are saying and res- responding to. It's very addicting, yeah. And you get into it, and I try not to do it. Here, I have tried to sound nice or good. I'm like, I try not to do it. That's just true. But right now, you get in press mode. So I've been seeing a lot of comments, and somebody who does was talking about doing a lot of meditating, and they were like, the way that that I explained it in the book worked for them, and it was and it was about saying yes to things uh, in very practical ways, and that is a big. That's to answer your question is a is a big one for me is trying to, in the Buddhist way, realize that you are resisting a delayed flight because your story that you were clinging to was that I paid this money and therefore the flight should be on time. Mm-hmm. When obviously, you know, I'm always quoting David Foster Wallace because he, he's great at fictionizing, fictionalizing all the potentials. You know, where you're like, well, maybe the stewardess mm-hmm. on that flight went into labor... You know what I mean? You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. It could be the most beautiful thing in the world. I was like... We just landed in... uh, We went to Maui to see Round Us. And we landed on the tarmac. And we were 15 minutes early. But then we sat on the tarmac for 15 minutes. And the, the more... Tropical, the location, the more frustrated and angry the plane tends to be because they want to get there so badly yeah. it's the opposite of buddhism it 's the opposite of be here now, so there and I overheard people grumbling, and they were like well we were we were early for no reason mm-hmm. so I you can david Foster Wallace that, and you're like, you realize if this plane almost crashed, and the pilot like Landed with no landing gear or whatever mm-hmm. Would all be cheering and crying Hugging, taking pictures And exchanging phone numbers right. To be friends forever And would kiss the feet of the pilot mm-hmm. The same, And maybe he's done that, you don't know right. It's the same pilot who got us there 15 minutes early But the gate isn't open and we're mad at him Like we're just mad in general uh-huh. So that resistance comes from I have the story that I should be in Hawaii 15 minutes early and that means I should be on my way to the hotel, fifteen minutes early, which means I should get to the beach fifteen minutes earlier. The pool. These look like pool people. I'm gonna get to the pool fifteen minutes early. Uh, there's some judgment. See, it's funnier to be judgmental. <laughs> but um but judgmental in a way, like I said, the Louis C.K. joke about people
1: complaining about the internet.
0: Oh, that's but so funny! I would two uh, exactly. Fine, Thirty thousand. You're feet. a Greek god. It's a miracle. <laughs> I wouldn't ask for any comedian to fully. Detach from their ego. It wouldn't be funny. And from their mind, it also wouldn't be very compassionate. Yeah. When you consider the joy that it gives, for, so you know, Ramana says the the mind is a wonderful servant, wonderful tool, but a ter- wonderful servant, but a terrible master. I think David Foster Wallace quotes that too. I'm not even sure Ramana's originated it. Okay. So it's I think that might just be going around. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In our favorite time period, I think everybody was saying that, and it's true. So like. This is what I think Jesus means when he says, be in the world but not of the world. So, yeah, be a comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I sort of feel it when I go, okay, oh, this person wants me to be funny. I kind of flip a few switches. I turn a dial way to the right. And I go, like, uh, you want me to compare things? Would you like me to be more flowery with my language? Mm-hmm. Would you like me to make more faces and and be loud and louder and all these different things that you do to be funny? But really, it's it's a quality of consciousness you're shifting into your mm-hmm. into your brain, and I'm happy to say that with spiritual practice, it feels more like waking a sleeping dog sometimes, mm-hmm. or or getting a big machine up and running. I'm like, okay, give me a second. You know, and it, it's like modes, yeah. it's the machine that tortured uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts in <laughs> Princess Bride. It's that big wheel. There's water, and I'm like, hey, give me a second, and I'll say something. It's not that funny. I'm like, we're getting there, you know. Like that's how it feels. But um, but the practice is 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 some meditating. People because of the book are like, do you meditate every day? And day? I'm like, no. But in another way, I never stop meditating. So that you can call that mindfulness. But um, it's really just trying to. I'm so happy to share this with practice and I literally mean just practice I don't mean a practice mm-hmm. I mean with practice remembering that you are it I, I quote this a million times on the podcast but Saint Francis said what you're looking for is what you're looking with mm-hmm. so it's consciousness itself mm-hmm. they say in the Upanishads not what the eye can see but that whereby the eye can see mm-hmm. that's, the, that's Brahman that's the secret, that's the thing that's the juice, and that's the game. That's what we're looking for. But it's not the cheese on the other side of the wall in the maze. It's here, mm-hmm. and this is what they mean. Mm-hmm. This is the good news. It's working in you right now, and I don't mean sight. It's you know, it's not like blind people are excluded from this. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the quality of amness, isness. When Moses asked God what his name is, God says, "I am," and there's all your hippie woo-woo you know, new age, quote-unquote, new age stuff 5,000 years ago, mm-hmm. God is saying, "I, my name is I Am. I read in the book, I thought he was being cheeky. Do you think like, people got that, though? They don't get it. Yeah. No one gets it. Did they get it back then? No, they yeah. think it's like a I think. Oh, no, I think they got it back then. You think so? I do yeah. think they got it back then, without a doubt. You can't be that bored and that thrown into nature uh-huh. without starting to pick up on some stuff. Yeah. People like us... I was just looking out the window at the cubicles with a big open heart, no judgment. But I was like, look at the fluorescent lights and, yeah. the, and the little traps that we're in. And I know people are listening in cubicles. I'm not saying you're an idiot. I'm saying, look at... I'm in a cubicle. I'm in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. This is my cubicle. This is my fluorescent lighting. Like, we've done it. My feet aren't in the grass right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not drinking from the the spring. I'm drinking fucking coffee from a bodega. You know, it's 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 we've We've lost, so I'm thinking of there are these people back in those days you had a much better shot being in nature mm-hmm. to understand the nature of everything than we do having built you know all these rectangles that are telling us. Bad myths. Right. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> well, you had to be in the moment because, like, your life depended on
1: it in a no, way. That, like, sure, nature and yes. animals. And you shit.
0: would eat way more mindfully if you yeah. didn't. If the FDA isn't a thing, right. you know what I mean. and You killed it yourself, and like, you don't have that much. And if eat. if the berry that kills you and the berry that doesn't mm-hmm. look very similar, like, there's a there's a lot of presence there. I, I'm sure there's also, you know, it's a lower on the spectrum of of consciousness. I forget who did this, but it's. It's based survival consciousness, so I don't know if everybody had the time to navel gaze, as you said, mm-hmm. but some of them, the mystics, did, and and some cultures, and I have to think the the Jewish culture was one, although it didn't exist yet. I guess the guy was just making it, <laughs> but there were always shamans, there were always priests, or there always seemed to be people that were the storytellers or the mystics or the whatever the prophets and the priests, not priests, but you know what I'm saying, that that were like okay we'll bring him his food <laughs> right cuz he he had a dream and it came true so yeah. let's keep we'll kill the food we'll give it to the we'll give it to the you know, they're
1: older so they
0: experience
1: and like that right. was like seen them like a sign of wisdom that you can live that long yes. you know like and that's one must of be the things, for
0: that's right and that's one of the things with uh with uh-huh. there's the feeling i don't know if you listen to this podcast but every time i i have like a really old person on i'm trying to Crowbar some Ramdas out of them, by virtue of the fact that they're old. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to take the guests out of it because they were wonderful and they were great. But I just do that with every old person I meet. And what I often find, and I'm really thinking about, you know, people in my family more than anything. Mm-hmm. We don't have old people. We don't have elders. We just have old children. You know, they're just they're doing the same shit that I am. I have a joke about this right now. It's like put the iPad down. Shouldn't you be telling me I'm missing it? Like, why do you know what, you know, fucking Netflix is? Why do you know that? Mm -hmm. You should be telling me about books. You should tell me about apple trees. You should, like, make me take you for a ride and then halfway through tell me that we're not going anywhere because that's what old people do. We just go for a cruise. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. What are you doing? Why are you eating the same candy as us? When you grew up with so much more food than we have. Mm-hmm. And now you're just sharing Skittles with me. Now the role reversed. The young person's saying to so many old people, Shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. I'm saying that jokingly, but shame on nobody. We're all doing what we're doing. But like Ramdas feels like an elder to me. Richard Rohr feels like an elder to me. Yeah. And doing this talking to her cause I'm quoting so much wisdom. I'm trying to manufacture some of my own, but really it's it's a amalgamation of other people's wisdom that I've ingested and gotten into my bones mm-hmm. but like when you're with Richard Rohr, you're like this is wisdom mm-hmm. and people know it when they hear it yeah and they they're floored milani and I did this live event last night and like there were moments where the look on his face was was just like cuz I know him I'm like oh that's the Mulaney's like getting you're getting through face mm-hmm. and not not by me or my story he's not impressed by that but something Richard said Or something Ram Dass said And and, oh there it is Mm -hmm. And you can And you can Turn the water off In the shower If the show is the shower And the water's on You just turn it off For a second And listen to the drips Yeah And the whole audience Listens to the drips I literally mean for Two seconds Mm -hmm. I'll go like You know this is a moment too And we're all quiet And you're just like Ah, you know what I'm talking about I do that's what we're hungry for right. and that's why being religious is so embarrassing in our culture and I, I for good reason murder mangle rape I, I remember the reason good and also just fundamentalism and clanism and tribalism and exclusion and a belief that ninety nine percent of the world is going to hell forever mm-hmm. and we're in and you're out it's ugly we've lost it uh, but I'm trying the reason I wrote the book was to try to restore some connection not my belief system but to invite people as a comedian as somebody who's like a part a small part but a part of pop culture and say mm-hmm. like I don't think it's I don't think it's embarrassing mm-hmm. and there are others there's a, that Russell Brand you know there's, right. there's Joe Rogan there are people out Duncan that are out there just going like I am a comedian I'm the most discerning as we decided to talk about my brain is critical it's overthinking but you can find ways to turn it down and realize that's not who you really are Mm -hmm. so do you put a a
1: label on your practice do you call it anything or do you it sounds like it's like a little bit mystical Hinduism at times but it's like a different I don't know I I don't want to put a label on it if you don't but I'm, I'm wondering what you would call it like how do you describe what your belief system is
0: well, it's in the book jacket, the idea that it's Christ-leaning. Mm-hmm. And I concede right off the bat that that is almost entirely, or at least primarily, psychological. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my desire is psychological. I'm not saying Christ is psychological. What do you mean by your desire? It's, it's the symbol system that I was raised with, mm-hmm. and it got into my brain and my blood before my discernment or anything, or my defenses or whatever, had grown. It just got in, in the way that you, your parents get in. You know, it was that same period. And, and Jesus got in. And I'm grateful for that. I'm down with cheese. Sweet cheese. Sweet baby cheese. I think it's a beer. Sweet baby cheese. Oh, if there's a brewery out there that wants to make sweet baby cheese. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. But, so, what, what we're talking about is symbol systems mm-hmm. and labels and those are good, those are helpful, that's why they exist uh, and I will always enjoy and respond and that's what we're trying to do we're trying to get our inner reality to respond so using the, the, the flaming hot poker of your youth and reclaiming the teachings of that flaming hot poker this is sweet geez. Can have a profound impact on your inner world. So, in the book, I'm trying to rescue some Bible verses. I'm trying to rescue some some ideas of, of Christ, because that's a that's a loaded weapon, and you can use it on yourself. Because you, it, it doesn't matter which symbol system you use or which signpost. Again, as Richard Roy says, we have all these signposts that we worship. They all say this way to Cleveland. And he's like, go to Cleveland. Right. It's very similar to what around us says about Detroit. Just go to Detroit. Mm-hmm. If you're in Detroit, you don't need to go to Detroit. Just be in Detroit. Or just stand there and worship the sign. Or that's what we do. That's what Richard says. He says we worship the sign. Right. He's like, get on with it. And that's kind of what I, the point I make in the book, is get on with it. Um, you're fine with your legs. We're moving our legs. <laughs> um, but uh, So it's Christ-leaning. Mm-hmm. I'll always get a lot of juice out of... Uh, Rescuing something that Jesus said because it's healing to me psychologically that words that were used to convince me that I was in danger of going to hell and everyone was going to hell everyone else um, but to rescue those feels really good it might be my favorite thing to do mm-hmm. is to go like oh my god it was, it's right there like we just didn't have as he said we didn't have eyes to see we didn't have ears to hear we were l- listening wrong mm-hmm. we were listening with an agenda we were listening with our egos We were listening with a deep desire for membership and identity and certainty. We weren't looking as as the mystic sees. And when you look at the Bible, at the New Testament, especially the way a mystic sees, it opens like a flower. And you're like, shit! Whoa! Like, how did we do this? We lost it. So Christ-leaning, that's why that's in there. Obviously, my guru, my great teacher, both Maharaji and Ramdas. These are Hindu mystics Uh, So that's in there So there's Hindu mysticism So Christ-leaning, Hindish (laughs) And then Richard Rohr I mean like There's nothing Richard Rohr says that I don't go like Fucking A I've looked, I've scoured I've waited for him to say something That was like I still love you buddy but like that's a little And he never does it And he's been doing it since 19... ...fucking 70? I don't know how long he's been doing it. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. But I listened to tapes of his. There's a great series called False Self, True Self... ...which is just like all of his talks. It's all of it. He never gives a talk on one topic. He covers all of it. The whole thing while he's talking about this other thing. I highly recommend it. It's on iTunes. And I looked at... I was like, this was released in 92... And he's summarizing The Universal Christ Which is a book That came out in 2019 mm-hmm. He's only been saying Conan told me That that's what he does That like his, his strategy In show business Is to ring the same bell You just Everyone's making noise And you just stand still And you ring a bell mm-hmm. And eventually Through all the chaos the, the sonic chaos Someone will go like What's that bell? That's what Richard Rohr Has been doing huh. There's been all this Sonic chaos of Christianity mm-hmm. And Richard's been going like when are you going to realize that it, it is actually good news, that it's uh-huh. something to be excited about? So, as I read in the book, it's so embarrassing to witness to people.
1: Right. I was it's, wondering. It
0: shouldn't be. It wait, shouldn't be. Plus, you were a
1: teenager when you were told to witness. Yeah. Which is doubly awkward, right? Yes. Uh, did you ever convert anyone? I'm just,
0: yes. You did? My. Uh, I hope you wouldn't mind saying, well, I'll be a little bit more vague, just in case. But a very good friend of mine... In junior high... We did the sinner's prayer... Like I... It was only him... I think he was the only one... Mm -hmm. I remember where we we were... um, On this like sloping hill at night... And I just asked him if he wanted to do it... And you know... I think we were on vacation together... And I was like... Well I, I could either say no... But he said yes... And then I think the same friend when I got divorced he got married too and then I got divorced and then I started like wiling out or whatever you want to call it and even getting into the, all these weird faith things he was sort of like hey and you run into that in the Christian world like uh-huh. if, if you all sort of are in this pact and you all sort of get married when you're like 22 and then one of you especially if you get out clean quote unquote where your wife leaves it's not even your fault mm-hmm. so you're like I my dad said that to me he was like well you got out clean No way, he thinks less of you. He's so political, you know. He's like, "How does it look?" Yeah. He's an achiever like me. It's just like, how will this affect your productivity? Mm -hmm. And I, to be honest, at the time I agreed with him. I was like, "You're right. The optics are good." You know, like, in fact, my sympathy is high. It's polling high. It's so insane that that the achieving brain... Sort right. of, I, I don't surrender to that, by the way. I just notice that that is my personality, how it can be sometimes. But, um, so yeah, I, I only converted one friend. Who is still a Christian? Or? I don't think so. Okay. No. I don't know if he ever was, to okay. be honest. I don't know if he ever identified. But that it didn't matter because... Once you were, once you prayed the prayer, we believe that like you were always saved. Right. Like even if he started doing heroin and stuff, or uh, not that doing heroin is fundamentally, you know what I mean. Yeah. I should have said like started pillaging backs, villages, backsliding or whatever. Yeah, backsliding. backsliding. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So the pretty evangelical upbringing. How did? How, why did your family choose that church? It sounds like your mother was the more religious of the two, yeah. but. Were there a
0: lot of evangelical churches in that part of Massachusetts, or how did you find I don't even know. Like, I would love to ask her. I have a feeling that she didn't necessarily know that it was non-denominational or evangelical leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she probably just like Yelp, like eighties Yelp, like it got good reviews. Uh-huh. Like it the was phone book? yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it was the phone book maybe with proximity I know there was a there's a Catholic church right by Grace Chapel where I where we went so I don't know if they considered going to that oh this is what it was in the 70s or 80s yeah 70s My parents started going to the Vineyard, Mm, which is like, you know... Evangelical movement. Evangelical movement. So they got... With guitars. Man, this is why I do this podcast, you know. How badly would you like to know your parents? Like, really know them. Yeah. Like, if there was an HBO series, and I just mean, like, gritty and real and no commercials, like, something uh, like that, that you could watch about your parents. But, like, even better, it's just, like, a documentary. Or just, like, a perfectly acted, but all the dialogue is real. (laughs) I would... Gobble it up Mulaney has that joke If his father had a book called Why, Why I am the way that I am mm-hmm. I would run out and buy it mm-hmm. I, I so relate to that That's a, So I, I like doing this Knowing my achieving brain And my political bent My propensity to change My own memories If that serves me Certainly when I could see that potential When I haven't done it But when parenting a child I could mm-hmm. see being like I was always a winner I, that's why I want to do a podcast and be like bullshit. You can look in the archives. This this podcast, largely in large part, comes from a desire that I wish my. So what I'm saying is, I wish I had known what they thought of the vineyard. Were right. they on fire for the Lord? I don't know. But like, it had such a huge effect on your life, evangelical
1: theology, and like the fact that it could have been just like proximity. It's right. one
0: of those weird. Yeah. You know, it could have been well if it was proximity I think it was proximity to the vineyard I think Uh my mom got invited from by a friend and then my mom who you know I think is a beautiful soul and a a a spiritual person and a and a brilliant person really related to that person so we say personal relationship with Jesus which makes my dick go in my body like I don't like that either you know what I mean like I don't care for that um But that's an Eric Andre joke, by the way. I say it all the time on this podcast because he said it on this podcast (laughs) in the the most awkward episode with John Glazer and uh, Jackie Cation. Is that the most awkward episode? Oh, yeah. It's a live episode. I don't recommend it. Don't listen to it. It'll make your skin crawl. But he went, my dick is going inside my body. And I'm like, that's the funniest thing ever. (laughs) So I I reference it all the time. Any whoozle-woozle. What were we saying? So personal uh, relationship with Jesus. Yeah. What that means, though, is what the what my book is about is external religion versus internal right. religion. External religion, you know, and as I just mentioned, I we we didn't finish the thought, but I'm practically a Franciscan, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like a Christ leading Hindish Franciscan mystic. I like the word mystic. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like I'm giving myself a title, but I just like mysticism. I I, I do too. Yeah, it's, yeah, but I mean.
1: How do you access mysticism in your... Like, LSD or mushrooms? Is that something like a regular practice? Or, like, no. contemplative prayer? Or ha- That's the hardest part, right? Like, Accessing it. I love mysticism. How do you get Getting it? there has yeah. always been...
0: What was So, I, I had dinner after my show last night with uh, David Nickturn, who did this podcast, who's a great mm-hmm. Buddhist teacher. And we were talking about it, and I was laughing that... It's in the book, actually, that I had this... Not the story, but the point That we went We were actually in New York, he lives here And I told him that it's so tiring To be present all the time Mm -hmm. And he was like uh, He was like What are you doing Making all that effort And and that's, it's almost like a koan It's like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense That's that's, That's the great hope That I can give people, it's like If this stuff doesn't make sense Just keep listening to it I don't mean this episode. I just mean, like, keep listening, keep reading, keep... That's how I get it. It's like, I think it's called Yana Yoga, using the mind to beat the mind. Mm -hmm. It's like you keep loading the mind with all this info that that it's bullshit. And eventually it's sort of like... It wilts. It's grace, is what Christians would call it. It's mm-hmm. not by, you don't win the chess match. Right. You're just sort of flooding it. It's almost like overwatering a flower. Mm-hmm. And then the flower sort of dies. It's like you gave it too much of what it needs. Uh-huh. It's actually pretty brilliant. I think that's, <laughs> I'm complimenting myself, because that really communicates what I'm trying to say. Overflowering the water so that
1: it can. I mean, there's, there's a, it's like, it's two things, because you talk about it. And I, I love the phrase because I feel like spirituality is work sometimes. Like I get the part of letting letting go, and that's really important, particularly with meditation. Like if you're trying to work right and concentrate, trying to do anything, yeah, then you're not going to. It's like the elephant; you're just going to.
0: That's why the in the elephant. book, the line when I'm explaining uh, meditation, uh-huh. and it took scouring all sorts of books about meditation to find the phrase, which is no expectations. Mm-hmm. And I say that practically out loud when I start. Meditating because mm-hmm. you want to go on that toboggan ride right that you did the last time, and it's like, fuck that shit, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. You, were saying, you can't chase it. Yeah, no, what are you doing? That you're just, you might as well be eating ice cream. <laughs> just go eat ice cream if you want a guaranteed experience, just go eat some ice cream. Right if you want something that's going to be like confusing and sometimes disappointing or or troubling, uh-huh. try meditation. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great advertisement. <laughs> yeah, but I know we, we want to tell people that it'll help them work or help them sleep. It, it's it's so much more exciting than that. Yeah, and and the I don't think you're going to be like truly disturbed, like a nightmare. And ninety nine percent of the time, you're going to love that you did it. Right. But sometimes you're going to be confronted with the fact that. That you're basically you've been made the bitch of your mind, and that's not a good feeling. <laughs> no, it's, it's like seeing the bars on your on your cell. Uh-huh. You're like, oh no! Yeah, I thought I was free, but like, no.
1: <laughs> and well, seeing the bars for the first time is the first taste
0: of freedom, though, right? Like that you're you know you're that's right. You're in a cage. Now. The first step to you can see getting free is to admit that you're in prison. Yeah, and I think Ronda said that or he quoted that. And Michael Gunger in this says, like, most of us are in our prison cells rearranging the furniture to feel more free right. when really all you have to do is turn around and realize that the door is unlocked. Now, here's what I'm saying. So I've been hearing little nice summations of spirituality like that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so at the dinner, Nick Turn was like, there's something called the fourth state, I think, or maybe the fourth tense. Where it's like there's presence there's the past present and future so there's the tenses maybe mm-hmm. it's the fourth tense i don't know it's the fourth whatever and he goes and there's a fourth tense which is actually it's kind of trans tense it's beyond the constant so being here is still a somebody being here mm-hmm. and it sucks it's hard it's like flexing a muscle or clenching a muscle where you go like be here damn it notice notice the couch notice your shirt Uh, The smell of the air Feel the air on my skin Like it's all these techniques And it's exhausting But the fourth tense sort of incorporates all of them And has a beyond the mind Wilting Of it's all And then we're out of words But it's almost like it's not being present It's not somebody being present Right. And it's not trying to be present It's a relaxing of the muscle. But it takes work to get there, right? And that's that's, what, so that brings me back to. irony or whatever. That brings me, that is. Paradox. It is a paradox. And that's what brings me back to the point was the good news that I've discovered is that through studying it and through having countless conversations, most of them recorded about it, that there eventually comes that overwatering and that wilting where you just go like, It is what's looking out your eyes right now. St. Francis, what you're looking for is what you're looking with. I know I already said it, but it's like... Suddenly, it dawns on you, and you buy the Cadillac. You know what I mean? You Mm -hmm. go like, this is my car. And you get in, and then you're just in the car. And that is not me saying I live in a state of bliss. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying I'm enlightened. I say it in the book. Pete's not enlightened, Mm -hmm. but I am. So when I'm in the part of me that is I am, which we all have... It's not special to me. It's what you're listening with, the people listening, it's what you're listening with and what you're seeing with. When I'm in that place, then I am enlightened. I am this is another Michael Gunger point. It's on his podcast this. Listen to his podcast about enlightenment. It's brilliant. He says, you are enlightenment itself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what else could you be? Only being can recognizes being. Only a piece of awareness can recognize awareness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like saying a, Only a piece of God Could recognize God The, the Buddhists call it Buddha nature That's Buddha a, nature thing. And they say If you see Buddha Kill it right? right If you see the Buddha Kill it People love saying that Because they're like That's wild Yeah and It sounds violent No it says If you think it's out there Right You're wrong Kill it Alan Watts says Burn the Bible Every Easter Because mm-hmm. if you think It's in the Bible You're wrong that's you know I I don't think you should literally do that by the way but he's saying don't have idols mm-hmm. it's you it's god and I'm not saying I'm god obviously we're not equal with god but we're lost inside of god where where the the borders are gone and things like are and are not become irrelevant mm-hmm. you're just You're just the sizzle on the beach when the wave pulls back. You're just, and you want to talk about that, and you want to get mad about that. Are you saying you're God? Okay, sizzle on the beach. Like, why are we even talking about this? Mm -hmm. It's so much closer to like the feeling your body gets when you go in a bath, or what I say in the in the book. It's like a spoonful of sugar getting stirred into iced tea. Mm -hmm. You're just gone. You're gone. You can't say that. Who can't say what? No one's saying anything. Nothing's here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the ego dissolves.
0: It's gone.
1: So did you read Mike, Michael Pollan's book on how to change your mind? So many people. I've been gifted it twice. It's fantastic. Really? It's because he talks about taking psilocybin uh, and comparing the language that he came up with, integrating the experience with like William James' variety of religious experience. Oh, wow.
0: The parallels are pretty Whoa. I didn't know it. I thought it was devoid of any philosophy or... No, he talks about spirituality. He's not. He
1: wasn't a spiritual person. Yeah. He grew up in Long Island. I think he was sort of like an atheistic Jewish family. Yeah. Uh, But did tap into this sort of deeper spirituality that through, like you did. Yeah. um, And had these deep mystical experiences. Wow. Which
0: actually, if you track back, they all sort of sound same well but I, I know that he or then Buddhist yeah it dude, that's my passion so I talk about reclaiming Christ mm-hmm. but finding truth anywhere what else are we doing right it's the greatest joy I think there is is and not just reading it seeing it or feeling it you know when you when you see some interconnectivity with the way we live and die with the way a tree lives and dies, or, or, or the way snow melts, or whatever. Like, you know, the Chinese have something called li, where they're looking for literally the patterns of, like, a, a turtle shell looks a lot like these rocks. Have you noticed that? Or, or have you noticed that lightning striking looks a lot like a tree branch? Like, mm-hmm. have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there is a lawfulness to what's going on? Like, again... I don't think I was on LSD I I was just looking at the clouds That's nice I I haven't actually taken psychedelic It's it's been less than 20 times for Uh sure um, In my life And I'm 40 And I started doing them when I was 30 Something One It doesn't matter Anyway, I was looking at the clouds And I saw the face of like a dog or something I don't mean hallucinating I just mean that's Mm -hmm. what was there Mm -hmm. In the clouds to me and I, I hear something I hear every, all the time when I'm in that place of knowing. And it's this thought that's like, how many clues do you need? Look at how... And this won't even fully make sense to me, because I'm not fully in that place right now of, of knowing. I, I feel good, but you know what I'm saying? Dogs have two eyes, two ears, and nose. Things form in a way... And it's so fundamentally obvious and therefore boring. Mm-hmm. Boring. So boring. Shut up. It's just, it's just natural selection. Like, things with two eyes... I get it. But even the natural selection is the lawful unfolding of how things are. Because things are eating things. Because mm-hmm. they're attracted to things. Because life feeds on life. And this is the system that we're all in. And, and I, again, I can't explain it, but I was like, right, it's, it's, just, it's just... It's just this... It's, it's this refining itself over and over And polishing and, and we keep looking more alike And that pig looks like my dog And the dog <laughs> looks like its owner And the owner looks like my mother And my mm. mother looks like me and it's it Sometimes, again, I can't explain it it was, it, was a, it was a split second mystical experience But whenever I'm having those It's always like, how many clues do you need? Right. Where you go like Oh, it's so obvious Sometimes I think like We're in the solar system so I got a juice the other day, and the, and the label said, best juice in the universe, and it had a picture of the Milky Way. And I was like, I'm looking at the Milky Way, and I'm like, that's real. That's where we are. And I, th- I, I, I don't know if I can ever make this funny, but I'm like, it's like, sometimes I feel like whatever we are... We or this or it or God made this so complicated and just complicated enough that you lose interest. Mm-hmm. It becomes overwhelming at a certain point. So it's like, so let's say you're God and you're like, I'm going to make a planet with people or, or many planets or whatever, billions of planets with people. Well, aren't they going to know that it's just you playing with them? Ah, uh, no, I'm going to put them in, uh, in in a galaxy. They're probably going to develop... I mean, they're you. I mean, they're probably going to develop technology and... Oh, yeah, you're right. I'll put them in a, in a galaxy, in a subsystem mm-hmm. of, of billions of galaxies. I don't know, man. They're pretty smart. But given enough time, they, maybe they'll see... Okay, I'll put them in a subsystem of even more whatever it is. I can't... I can't I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson. I can't go that <laughs> far out. But we can. Like, we go pretty far out. Mm-hmm. And it feels like... It's almost like, how confusing do we have to make what we're wrapped in, to make us to make most people? Not Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's never going to stop asking. I'm grateful for that. But most people just go like, I don't know. Yeah. And that's that's the size of the planet. I, I feel like you can't even hold the whole planet. Like, have you ever noticed that the planet? You see photos of somewhere on the planet, and you're like, there's always some place that you're like, what? Like where they shot Avatar. You're like, where is that? Even the planet is too big to hold in your consciousness Mm -hmm. at one time. You'll always forget about some red sand desert. You're just not going to... Or a black sand beach. Or the place where they... You you can't hold it. Mm -hmm. You can't remember Shanghai and Seoul... And Lithuania, like, it's just going to go. Right. So then we just go like, well, I live in Boston. You know what I mean? And you, and you just sort of forget. It. No, shout out to my hometown. I ain't teasing you.
1: No, and it's, it's, we've just found, like, new ways to distract ourselves from, or they found new ways to distract us. It's pretty, you talked about your parents on social media, and a lot of old people I know are, like, more obsessed with Facebook than... Right. And teenagers, it's like taking over their. Right, writing personal messages yeah. to each other on their walls. Exactly. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's a particularly weird time I think we're in where we in sort their of have feet, to break set out of this. Um, yeah. But I'm curious, you, in the beginning of the book, you say um, your mom wanted you to be a youth pastor. But yeah. You became a comedian, she said close enough. And yeah. Why did she want you to become a youth pastor? Do you actually think that the two professions have anything to do with each other?
0: I mean, at their best, they could. I mean, I, I sort of joke that, like, they both like public speaking, mm-hmm. right, certainly. And certainly the type of comedy I'm doing, I, I would like everyone to leave feeling less afraid and less alone. Obviously, there's a lot of pastors that are, are primarily making you feel afraid. Mm-hmm. It's a fear-based turn or burn sort of philosophy. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. or burn. Turner, like, Turner burn. <laughs> uh, so... Is that a, like that you heard going I on. saw that people protesting Rob Bell. They had signs that said "Turn yeah. or burn." It's amazing the crowds he gets. Oh, I know. It's amazing that they came up with a clever rhyme. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that that stuck with me. But yeah. um, she did. I think she wanted me to be a youth pastor because I talk about the tumult in my family, and and the part that breaks my heart. It's different parts for different people, obviously. But I, I write about my mother crying and me getting on the bed with her and sort of, like, holding her and comforting her, which, as I look back, I'm just like, that's just, like, very psychologically damaging. <laughs> so she would just call me her little um, peacemaker. I think in the book I actually wrote it wrong as Peacekeeper, mm-hmm. which is weird because I wrote this book. But it was Peacemaker, like the Beatitudes, like the mm-hmm. Sermon on the Mount, bless, bless her, the peacemakers. I don't think it's Peacekeepers. Peacekeeper is a rifle. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Red Dead Red Redemption. Force. What's that? <laughs> the UN Peacekeeper. Yeah, exactly. It, so I, I fucked up in my own book. That's a typo that people won't necessarily even know unless they listen to this podcast, but who cares? The The spirit is the same. That she called me her peacemaker, mm-hmm. that I was always... Calming the family down, or trying to keep a fight from happening, or you know, as I got older, I started to become more of a therapist and try to be like, Dad. Dad when Mom said that, I think she meant this less less of the face and the mashed potatoes, and more of a. And this is why, like, I have my skill set. Like, listening to audiences is nothing. Compared to negotiating and interpreting the grunts and silences of my family dinner table, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like that's nothing. The rowdiest crowd is nothing compared to 6:30 at the Holmes house. And I don't mean because they were so. I, I mean the subtlety mm-hmm. of like the way a glass of milk is sipped, and you're like, is this? And again, it, ne- it never went physical. You're just. It just was. Gave me indigestion. How much. Uh, conflict there was mm-hmm. so I think my mom recognized that I liked people to be happy I liked people to get along and I like to keep, be a peacemaker and I liked the church so she was like you should be a youth pastor she, mm-hmm. and, and that is a quote that when I became a comedian she said close enough because she really did love me uh, yeah I'm going to say she loved me um, unconditionally I, I mean I think she had preferences we all have preferences But she, I once asked my mom if she would help me hide a body, and she had to think about it, because I I noticed how much she loved me, and I was like, (laughs) if I killed somebody, you had to test that love. Yeah, I wanted to test it, and I—it's not important what she said. Yikes! (laughs) I think she said yes, (laughs) but she had to think about it. She had to think about it. But she was just like so. We sort of—it's sweet. I mean, we've sort of excavated how it, it verged on inappropriate. Um, again, not physically, but emotionally. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was very sweet. My, I, I, that's where I got. It's like Kanye. It's where my, I got my confidence from. It's like it's a lot, a lot on your shoulders, though, at a young age. It to is to be in that role to interpret the emotions of adults who you're very close to. Right. It's, it's a lot. And talk about paradox. It's it's the things that we value the most and the things that we sort of want the most come from damage almost always. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why it's such a cliché. the par- like I feel like Nancy Kerrigan, or, oh, I'm sorry, Tanya Harding's mother being a bitch to her and making her get up and skate is the macrocosm of what, like, so much damage... I don't mean literally parents necessarily, right. but how damage in this paradoxical way is often what makes champions, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or, or at least good skaters. Right. Or good comedians. And, and, and you know, I'll... I remember like Robin Williams and stuff was like I was in an upper middle class family We didn't have that I'm like I know you I know you did I, I say that with respect mm-hmm. I'm not like shots fired and, and unfortunately we can't ask him But like I, I feel like your shit is your shit That's why I wanted to tell my story And be like it wasn't physical It wasn't abusive in this way or this way or this way But like When you're a kid that's your reality Right But I mean is the cliche about comedians I true that they're all
1: like in some
0: way damaged. Yeah. I said to Val the other day I forget what it was. It was something where it doesn't matter. I can't remember anyway. But I basically said to her, I was like, we you need oh, you know what it was? Was we went to a dinner and Val's going to hear this, I, I think And I, she knows this <laughs> I'm just saying, like, love you very much We can take <laughs> this out um, But we went to a dinner And at the end of the dinner I just felt like um, That I, I didn't get a, enough attention This is so It's embarrassing for me Not for her I'm 40 years old And here I am telling you about like Finding your harmony with an undulating <laughs> Infinite pulsing universe Which I, which I can do sometimes uh-huh. And then other times I think I was having sugar withdrawals Because I've gone off sugar So I had a headache And I was sitting there I was just like fucking not happy Couldn't Felt like I couldn't eat sugar I really think I was detoxing And, um, and I just felt like Val, Val is a mirror. She's a beautiful mirror for people. Um, it's not all she is, but one of the qualities, I guess, or one of the gifts she has is mirror. If she met you, she would almost start like kind of like talking a little bit like you, or at least noticing how you talk and, and and trying to feed it back to you. And, Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't even, and she's not doing it the way that I do it politically, She's just doing it in this almost like Dolly lamish way of like, I see you in there. Oh, you seem to want, uh, I, you want this kind of attention or love and I'll give it to you. So she was really giving it out, I felt, to the people that we were with. And at the end of the night, we were not just the dinner, but there were other things we went to. And at the end of the night, I was sort of unpacking my grumpiness. Um, and I was like, I just feel like I didn't get I didn't get my sunlight, I think is what I said. Because mm-hmm. I, I call Val my sunshine. And, and that, not in the manipulative way. I'm careful with that language. I don't call her that all the time. Because there is, when my mom calls me her peacemaker, she's really saying like, hey, I like when you make the peace, so keep mm-hmm. doing that. There's a manipulation there, even if it's well-meaning. So that is not a common, uh, it's more of an adjective I use to, to others to describe her. So I'm not like, hey, sunshine, thanks for being my sunshine. But she is, she's that for me. And I was like, I just didn't get my sunshine. And um, as much as I wanted. And she, uh, she was confused by that. She thought... or I don't know how she felt. Um, but she heard me and understood. And I was like, nobody gets into what I'm doing... If they don't have a wound. Uh-huh. <laughs> nobody gets into what I'm doing... If they're not needy. Mm-hmm. And like... That was really helpful for me. I spent a lot of my time... Going around... Trying to be impressive Telling people my techniques um, But the truth is is like You take sugar away And attention from my wife And I went to zero uh-huh. And I The pastor in the traditional setting Often can't really share stories like this Not that it's that bad But vulnerability isn't a huge part of it mm-hmm. So I'm proud to be like I Lost Whatever the superpower is, it went to zero, and I was gone, and I was grumpy, and I was bitchy, and I was mean. Not mean to anybody, but it just wasn't nice, let's say that. Like, I just wasn't really being myself. And it was because I wasn't getting attention? Yes, I think comedians have a dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> you, dude, I mean, I needed someone to remind me that I was special. That's mm-hmm. the compulsion. Mm-hmm. We all have that to a certain well, I don't know if we all have that. I watched Free Solo, that guy seemed to be just fine. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, it's like Spock. He's like, I, yeah, I'm going to climb this mountain if you want to watch well, But even that is like a,
1: a superhuman urge in some way, you know, maybe totally. not to be recognized. But no quote unquote normal
0: person does that, right? My theory on that is it's the only time he's out of his head. Yeah. And stand ups often have ADD or, or have some sort of. By the way, that's silly. I thought I had ADD. I don't. I don't have ADD. But we can often have a hard time being in the moment, Mm -hmm. and you You know, know, thinking about sort of this like yeah, the brain is working. Uh The brain is overworking. Yeah. So we do something that's a little bit like putting your head in a lion's mouth, and boy, you're right there. So we feel elated when we get off stage because just for those for that hour or that 15 minutes. You were there And I'm like This guy's brain Is clearly Very high functioning And I bet Climbing with a rope Doesn't turn it off All the way mm-hmm. So he climbs Without a rope
1: He's it's, in the flow
0: He's in the flow Yeah I bet when he's done He is the dharma mm-hmm. he's, he's it He's the mountain And then the itch Gets going again
1: As we has to get Back up there Yeah right. Well
0: here. then you see the, the ego Robbing him Of that feeling again mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to correct that guy. I am saying that there are, there are other ways that don't involve risking your life or entertaining a crowd right. that can bring you into that Yeah. Moment.
1: So you talk about, in the book, um, what you were taught in the evangelical church, and it seems like the two things that really were the biggest hang-ups for you were sex and hell. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, I think what a lot of people who grew up in that background think about a lot because in this country there's a lot of people from different traditions. How do you deal with that as a young person? Yeah. And then sex, you know, just as your sort of, your body really wants this thing, they're telling you shut it down completely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how did you sort of like, it seems like the book is a tale of like how, in some ways, how you came to deal with those two ideas, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, could you just talk a little bit about that? Like, sure. Um, how did you... Are there parts of you that still sort of, like, remembers or or listens to what you were taught as an evangelical about sex? Or did you totally!
0: Think, yeah, so... Oh, God! I, I had an experience... I, I said to Val not that long ago that I was like, you know, I just did this podcast, and it was really spiritual, and then, like, shortly after, I looked at porn and jerked off. I think because I wanted to, like... Sometimes when you're, like, being really holy and good and you're talking about it... I, I, I've i said this many times that pastor retreats, the porn, back in the 80s, everyone was ordering porn to their room. Because if you can imagine, it's pre-internet, it's, like, one of the only ways they could really get it. So right. my my heart... I, first of all, it's funny. And my heart breaks, because I'm like, I used to be that guy mm-hmm. that, like, would order porn to his room because it was the only way you could get it. And I'd feel... It was the eight ball. It was the high of the porn and then the devastating low of you're at a youth retreat, you're a pastor, and I had that. So I was just like, you know, I forget which episode it was, but it was just that feeling of like, this is it, man, this is it. Like, getting deep, getting there, sharing some now with somebody. And then like maybe three hours later, just sort of at my computer, it's hard to write your... Stand up or whatever On a pornography machine <laughs> You know what I mean It's, it's difficult to yeah. meditate Next to a river of jiggling asses That all you have to do is Turn your head It's yeah, It's right there Endless variety and whatever And also there's a voice in me that says Don't be puritanical So, I, so we're, Val and I actually talked about this recently We're, we're sort of post um, Ethic focused Spirituality And then we have to figure out, then, where are we going to install our own ethics? Mm -hmm. Not to be good, but because it's good for us. It works for us. And it feels right, intuitively and in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like You can be like, yeah, love God and do what you want. But it's like, okay, when I look at porn, do I feel more connected or less connected? Do I feel more alive or less alive? Do I look at women better or worse Worse being objectified is really what's going on. It's like I tend to catch myself if I'm consuming pornography. And by the way, even as I'm saying this, I have a big heart for adult sex workers and porn stars, and so this is not judgmental to them. I'm just saying my experience, the way that that hits me, in the same way that an action movie makes me more likely to punch somebody, Mm -hmm. it does. It's powerful. I'm convinced Mm -hmm. that punching is on the menu. Because I love Jason Bourne. Or even rap for walking down the street. You have a certain Dude, attitude. if I'm that, listening to... Absolutely. Yeah. I am so susceptible. Uh-huh. And this is why advertising works. So I'm just a little bit more likely, if a woman gets in an elevator, to look at her and immediately think of her as a sexual object. Mm-hmm. And sort of rank her in some... It's a split second. Not to excuse myself, but it's just like it's just the animal. But it's, that was encouraged by my consumption of pornography. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. <laughs> That's just for me. I'm speaking for myself. So I said to Val just the other, you know, like I said, I, I forget wh- when it was, which episode it was, but I was like, I uh, I was all spiritual and deep, and then I, I jerked off to porn, and I, I don't feel great about it. But here's the great thing: I think some of that is my old programming, and then I think some of it is this sort of hopefully woke new perspective which is what i'm saying which is like it's not that i was in and now i'm out mm-hmm. uh, now i've been kicked out of the garden or now i'm on the naughty list it's just like i say it on stage i'm like even if you love porn we can agree it's not uh it's not what do i say it's not the best use of your time, or something. <laughs> or it's not like it doesn't make the highlight reel of your life, right? You know, you're not going to reminisce about that time. No. So, it, it. I'm shocked. One of the reasons I love talking about this, and one of the reasons I concede that it's psychological when we talk about Jesus sometimes, is that like it's still in there, and the forgettingness is in there, and the reversion is in there. I actually think this morning, I was like. What if I just became a fundamentalist Christian again? What if I just like what if like I was just like nope, God said it I believe it that mm-hmm. does it turn or burn I mean and it, and that, that was that thought experiment was coming from a place of like you sure about this you getting, you're getting into some pretty weird water uh-huh And that's the, the talking about it and honestly the meditating, the being silent, psychedelics. Anytime I'm in that place Of deep unity You laugh Because you're like what, what are you on about? It's like how obvious do I have to make it? You're, you're laughing at yourself in a way I'm laughing at myself yeah. I'm laughing, We've made a God That is like us This is a Richard Rohr point We make, it, we make God like us Instead of the other way around mm-hmm. So we made a God that's judgmental And afraid kind of nervous he's mean and he's vindictive jealous and jealous totally and then the god that we should make ourselves like god or like yes or like this and the god or the this that i see loves diversity there aren't just daisies there's thousands of different types of flowers and all of those flowers are loved indiscriminately by the light and the rain. Mm-hmm. And there's your message. Flow with it. Find your flow with it, including your ego story, including realizing that you're a neurotic comedian and you need a, a woman who's like pure sunlight. Yeah, that's all part of it. It's not who you really are, mm-hmm. but you can play that game to help you advance or advance in this game. Use all of it. Right. Use being a comedian. Use being a writer. Or what's your official title? Um, writer, reporter. Writer, yeah. reporter. Yeah. Use it. Yeah.
1: Well, the ego can be helpful, right? The ego is the thing that gets you moving. You yeah. Know, that gets you out
0: off your ass in a way. Yeah. Um, totally. It's not totally bad. It, it, and it's, it's not a flaw. It shouldn't always run the show. It's, it's not a flaw in the system. I used to wonder why God didn't just incarnate us in heaven. Mm-hmm. If we're conceding that heaven is a place where we worship God all day which right. is what I was taught We're basically it's just church forever and that was heaven <laughs> why then didn't God um, just create infinite angels Right. because that's meaningless I mean ask yourself why wouldn't you just create infinite angels we have myths to help us with this mm-hmm. you know it's like vampires it's like it's, uh, there's tons like I said to Colbert it's like there's vampires but it's like it's not a flaw um I think Ramdas says the best way to like work with karma and karma is just a word for what's happening our personalities our life what's unfolding is to have some mm-hmm. and, right. and the process of working off your karma is what wakes you up so he's like yeah do it another thing he says is like take the curriculum mm-hmm don't resist it. Alan Watts told him you're too attached to emptiness. You're too attached to emptiness. That's yeah. great. Be a person. You know? Yeah. There, you know what I have mean? There's stuff in the real world, right? There's Be there's in the world but not of the world. That's yeah. Jesus is saying the same thing.
1: So how do you interpret though, like when Jesus says I'm the way, truth, and light, no one gets to the Father except through me? Which seems to be an exclusivist claim. Yeah. Obviously, that's how we use it. Yes, exactly. So, how do you think about that now versus how you thought about it? Did I bet you know
0: this. If you're the religion re- reporter for CNN, I bet you know my answer. Mm. You don't? I don't think so. Really? No. He's speaking as the Christ. Uh-huh. So the Christ. So there's Jesus of Nazareth, sweet Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, <laughs> the Galilean, uh-huh. the Aquarian, the sandal-wearing man. Have you seen uh, the Joaquin Phoenix movie where he
1: plays Jesus yet, by the way? No. Oh, it's awesome. It's called Mary Magdalene, and the theology is a lot, pretty close to what... Really? Yeah. So Mary Magdalene is the one who finally gets Jesus' message that the kingdom is here now. Really? Apostles totally miss it. I love Joaquin. Um, So I talked to him about it, He, it he he was he's a very different Jesus as you can imagine with, with Joaquin Phoenix he sort of embodies the role in a new way but that is the theology behind it that Peter, Paul try to um, shut Mary Magdalene up because she's she's not letting them or doesn't want to let them change Jesus' message to the kingdom of God it's here. coming close. You oh, know, it's, I see. It's just right over the next mountain, or
0: whatever. well, the ego, given the choice between the destination and the journey, will always choose the journey. Yeah, and that's really powerful to realize, is that like would rather just play the game over and over, right? And go like maybe it's the next spiritual book, maybe it's the next teacher, right? When the next teacher is going to tell you what everybody's telling you, which is like it's here, and that's what I'm saying. Like will finally sink in, or at least start to sink in mm-hmm. for me. So Jesus is speaking from that. Uh, the Universal Christ, Richard's book, is incredible And it's basically about this Is that sometimes Jesus is talking As Jesus when he's like Hey, give me some fish <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes like something you he, a Classic <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Hey, that's Jesus right there yeah. Give me He's, he's colloquial uh-huh. Some fish He's hanging out with fishermen Please, yeah. Please. very polite <laughs> Except in that temple yeah. uh, But then there are times when he's speaking as, as as the Christ, as it, as the same water uh, that the different wells are digging for. So when you are it, so when I say Pete's not enlightened, but I am, you could say that is sort of a similar type of statement. I, I, I'm not. Please don't misunderstand that. It's not ego. I'm saying that's sort of. The game that you're playing, you can be like, but Jesus, Jesus lost Jesus entirely. Mm-hmm. I think there was no idea. he became the Christ. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a bodhisattva. It's the emb- a guru isn't the teacher. I make this point in the book. The guru is the embodiment of the teaching. Mm-hmm. The 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 divider between teacher and teaching is removed, and like you know, two chemical solutions they just blend into a beautiful color, and that's all you're left with. And that's and that's what I believe was going on with Jesus. So when he was in that place, I and the Father are one. No one comes to him through me, except through me. That's 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 what's happening. He's speaking from, not him. He's speaking as us, mm-hmm. it, the universal Christ. This he's giving a voice to. Richard says the Christ is what erupted when the Big Bang. Everything that is in the first incarnation of mm-hmm. Christ is this. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus was an incarn- a human incarnation of Christ of the whole thing. Or, or you could look at it; it's another way to look at it. Is that he was a man and he realized his Christness? That's a little bit more Buddhist. Is that he studied? He went to the desert for forty days. Mm-hmm. He was tempted by his ego, you know, which is obviously beautifully dramatized and almost a Shakespearean mm-hmm. like quarrel with the devil or a debate. And then he realized his Christ nature. And then he is trying to wake you up to your Christ nature. Mm-hmm. Christ consciousness is what you call it. Is what? He literally gave up his life and then was reborn. Well, he, well that's what Christ. Richard says too. Jesus died on the cross and was reborn as the Christ. Mm-hmm. He, he lost himself fully, meaning he even dropped the body. Like, even the body went. Mm-hmm. And he just became the Christ. And, you know, that's sort of what I think is like... what. Which was one of the ways I think about dying. Uh, David, Nick said to me last night that one of the Buddhist ways of looking at dying is like it's like the air inside of a vase uh, goes back into the mm. atmosphere. I guess you could say the vase breaks, so the air goes into the atmosphere uh-huh. again. So he was like, it's not as jarring, basically, jarring, <laughs> as it seems. Or maybe not as it seems. He, I'm putting words in his mouth. But, like, the Muji talks about, like, It's like a drop of rain going back into the ocean Mm -hmm. So that's It's waking up to realizing That you've lost yourself And this is sort of Michael Gunger's point in this You've lost yourself in wave identification When you're the whole thing You're the ocean And when you become the ocean And you speak as the ocean You say things like No one comes to the Father except through this ocean Because it's it's all this, it's all one It's unit of consciousness What else could you be coming to it through Except itself (laughs)
1: so how do you interpret though like when he's on the cross and he says father why have you forsaken me that's that's a line that's always been difficult for me to to blend the universal Christ in with because it's like and the Gethsemane moments too like please take Take this this cup cup away and you can argue okay that's before he became
0: the Christ but on the cross he's like he's like at at the threshold I would love oh man I would love to ask Richard Mm Rohr that question Um, seriously and I'll tell you my honest answer is I'm like it's that's just good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's in the story that Jesus was alone. Also, we know that nothing was written about Jesus until like seventy years right. after he died. So this is not you're a journalist. It's not journalism. You know that nobody had a boom mic up to the cross. Listening to him say, "Why have you forsaken me?" Maybe somebody heard it. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's sort of we're outside of the point That this. Right. It's really pleasing to the ego to go like, oh, "We have a version of the New Testament. He definitely said it. Maybe said it. Probably didn't say it. Three different colors right. of font. It's like that's fun. You know. The thing is, play around. It, like, it, but it, it it's doesn't not the really point.
1: fit with the myth. So like, there's. Bible scholars talk about things that have to be true because they don't really help the story, right? Interesting. And so, like, the details about Jesus getting mad, or like, you know, where he tells the, the woman, I forget, a Phoenician woman, I think, she's like, go eat with the dogs, you can't eat this food. Like, the point is they weren't trying to make him perfect right. because he wasn't perfect. And right. so, like, details like that that stick out
0: um, sort of had to be true because it would have been whitewashed, you know? what I mean? I used to have that philosophy about... The reason I thought the Mormons were wrong was because my interpretation of their heaven was that you basically get to have celestial sex yeah, forever. Forever. And I was like, that sounds too man-made, so I don't buy it. My yeah. heaven and my hell its so unpleasant, it must be true. <laughs> uh, so I, I know what you're saying. I, I point out many times that at the Gospel of Mark, Jesus dies and he's not resurrected. In mm-hmm. the original ending, I believe there's, there might be two endings. I, there might have been like an amendment. Mm-hmm. But I was taught that the... I'm gonna to have to check this because I sure say it a lot. But at the end of Mark, he, he isn't resurrected. So I would say that that's evidence that we're not supposed to be looking at this literally. Mm-hmm. Why include it if they were trying to make an airtight or, as your point, a perfect seeming uh, Jesus that never gets angry and never says mm-hmm. "Go eat with the dogs" or whatever it is? Why include it? You know, who said that they were like, if it's true, great. If it's not true, why is it in there? You right. know, like why did they include something? But I, you know, a little glimpse into my theology, if there's something like that, take this cup away from my mouth, Mm -hmm. or why have you forsaken me, Uh, I just sort of go, it doesn't make sense to me. I'd like to hear what a brilliant theologian, I'm not a theologian, Mm -hmm. a brilliant theologian like Richard Rohr would say about it, or Rob would say about it. Yeah, I'd like to hear what Rob Bell says about it. We could call him.
1: (laughs) Let's see if he... Well, 11 to It's 8 a.m. Let's see if he answers. This would be waking him up with a really deep philosophical question. A theological question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's when he, he loves it. That uh, didn't ring. Uh, Straight to voicemail. But no, it, it is one of those things that I just can't... But I, I... You know, I can't... To finish my point, that's me. I just go... Yeah. I don't get it. I think... People might get it, uh, but it's not really important for me to get it. I don't have to get all of it. I told somebody recently, I was like, "If there's something in the Bible that's just heinous, yeah, drop it." Yeah, there's no there's no dogma here, which you couldn't do
1: (laughs) as a youth. Like you, that's right. Bible was inerrant. That's right. Entirely the word of God, so you felt like you
0: had to defend. Terrible Everything things. from Genesis to Revelation. That's right, terrible things, and ignore and turn a blind eye to the same things. Uh-huh. Jesus hate of capitalism, for example. I mean, he doesn't come out and say that he hates it, but he he's like the champion yeah. of the poor. Yeah, he makes Bernie Sanders look like a fat cat. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like he's out there going, like, you guys are idiots. Organized religion and 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 the system mm-hmm. is a lie, and it's a thief, and it's terrible. Like so. Jesus has been turned into something that he's not obviously I'm not the only person to realize this or say that Um, but I'm not burdened by that anymore because a big point in the book is that I thought that the lines were closed Mm -hmm. that God had, had divine inspiration I actually say in the book, I go, this is important. (laughs) I just say, this is important. Signaling, yeah. I'm just telling the reader, like, please note this, that we believed in something called divine inspiration. God spoke directly to his prophets and the authors of the New Testament, and then Paul, and then it was over. And then I took mushrooms, and I was like, it ain't over! I was like, it's not over! It's happening! So that's amazing.
1: But did you ever think, or part of your brain think, when you were taking mushrooms... And trying to describe the experience, like, okay, pot makes me hungry, mushrooms right. make me have mystical experiences. That's it. That's like a trick of the brain or whatever. Right. It's not like a real, but you, window into infinity or whatever.
0: It's that's a great point, and you have to ask that question. Obviously, you go like, what does it say that there's a chemical that does this? But really, the better and bigger and more, and really the only important question is, what is the drug doing it to? Mm-hmm. LSD or, or mushrooms plays with your consciousness People tell me this all the time They're like, I don't understand I took mushrooms and I just saw clowns Coming out of my belly button or whatever And I'm like, okay That's terrifying Yeah, it could be It depends on their mood that day, I guess But I was like It's not necessarily what you see It's We're back to the Upanishads It's what you're seeing with So when consciousness is played with it makes you aware of the play of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And there's that great TED talk about the hallucination we're having right now that we agree on. The hallucination we agree on is what we call reality. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's backed by physical and tactile and sensory data that we... But so are, you know, often hallucinations in that place are. Right. You might be touching a lamp, but you're like, it's a snake, <laughs> you know? Like, so you're getting... What you, what you start to do is not take everything as a foregone conclusion. Because mm-hmm. if you can warp or crinkle or stretch out, like silly putty, the quality of consciousness, you start to realize that it is it. Is it. It's the thing.
1: So you see your consciousness in a new way because like your the ordinary brain, the critical brain, is sort of shut down. It's shutting down everything. And to, the imaginative brain is like, oh, so... This is You can see the seer Is that That's, that's a good way to put it. Okay
0: You see that you are A seer Uh huh <laughs> Yeah see, and, and there's seeing happening And then you, if, you, if you're Not just tripping out At a fish concert You might go like Well what is this Like Mm-mm. what's going on? And by the way I bet people are having Epiphanies at fish concerts too Yeah oh, it's Without I mean, a doubt
1: I'd love to write about this someday because the communal
0: ecstatic part of that is really cool too. That yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like the Sufis, yeah. you know what I mean, or it's like any good religion yeah. worth its salt is going to be like, okay, step one, let's get together. Uh-huh. Step two, then let's do the, the sacraments and the traditions. You give up your life
1: to follow this. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, like the fish heads, some fish heads do. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they drop their nets and yeah. their fish nets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it.
1: So, what is your idea of, of God now? What, what do you, like, how do you, it's not, you mentioned the, the hamburger god the one you had, or the. Oh,
0: the burger king god. king. I guess the devil would have been the Hamburglar. Yeah. I think there's an old draft where I made that joke. Um, I, I see God as, as, as awareness, uh-huh. as the Old Testament I am. So, God is the quality of I am-ness and it's, it's something that we're not equal to but that we're participating with mm-hmm. and that the best chance we have at experiencing it and feeling it and really not just having an ecstatic experience but finding your, your dignified, inherent place in its flow mm-hmm. and it is a flow is, is, a, is through using myth, metaphor, ritual, chanting Mushrooms. Meditation, mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, that's but that's what we're doing is we're trying to wake up not just to a new set of beliefs Mm -hmm. but to our place in the river. And there's all this resistance and that's all ego stuff. And there's all these all these like you know, headaches and, and whatever. And when we're quiet and when we quiet that stuff down and we can feel and identify with our piece of I amness mm-hmm. then that's when you'll kind of find your flow. So inside. there's no judgment in this God, there's no like Is there a morality I mean, or like I think morality is, and, and it's important because somebody, uh, Connor, my Connor Habib, told me about like how the military can weaponize mindfulness mm-hmm. because you know they teach people to do terrible things and they're just like, well, that's over. All that exists is now, mm-hmm. and and, to, it, and that's horrible. And this is why Buddha and Christ are very careful about giving people the big truth, which is we're one. Uh, it it is sort of a dance. I don't like to say game. Mm-hmm. I like to say it's a dance. It's one thing thinging itself. And compassion. Because that's why Jesus is like, when you feed this guy, you're feeding me. He's trying to say, like, you're doing it to yourself. I had a tweet where I was like, a Buddhist at a boxing match. Why are you hitting yourself? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, why are you hitting yourself? Like, wake up. Let's figure this out. And when you wake up, you have compassion. And that's why... Elevating the consciousness of, of the world is, is super important because then we realize that's us at the border. Those are our children mm-hmm. at the border. You know what I'm saying? Or take take your pick. Those are our people that we're denying uh, uh, for body rights or whatever, you know, that's happening in Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's us. We should listen to us. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about compassionate listening and how, like, every problem could be he, he says, basically, solved with compassionate listening, mm-hmm. and that's re- recognizing me in you, and that's what Richard ross says love is. Yeah. Do you have any hope that you know you live in,
1: in I think Los Angeles and New yeah. York, and so you have a certain circle of people that you know. But do you have any idea, like if if what you are talking about and, and somebody's preaching about will become like a wider thing like that there will be like a new 60s where people are tuning in in some way to these dropping out, out. <laughs> <laughs> the exactly you know what i mean like it's part of me thinks like okay the institutions of religion are sort of crumbling yeah. uh Churches kind of church is losing a lot of members basically every denomination is losing members across the board is that true wow. yeah and except for the ones with really high birth rates who are kind of like, like Mormons are staying plateaued pretty much. Oh, well. Wow. Uh, but they're not getting new converts. And so my idea is like, all right, what's coming next? Because something we know so, right that there, there's yeah. always this ebb and flow with religion. Yeah. That, that impulse doesn't go away. Right. So this seems to me like, okay, this is sort of a new thing that he's expressing here. People on the vanguard like Rob Bell, and Richard War, are talking about it a lot. It's a blend of old and new, which a lot of religious movements do that. I'm just...
0: Do you pick up on a lot of these kind of ideas? That's my theory about John Wick, by the way. Oh, yeah? Subconsciously, we like that he has guns and kung fu. (laughs) Because kung fu is old and guns are new. Yeah. So I I don't think you get it, and I don't think you're supposed to get it necessarily rationally. Uh But you're like, this is the way. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, you know, Duncan and I and, and some other people... I've talked about this with probably on this podcast I'm like you know Kerouac and all those people they they started happenings in physical spaces mm-hmm. they weren't even necess- I mean I, I suppose they used the radio and stuff from time to time I know Ram Dass went on the radio from time to time but like these were tapes <laughs> these were tapes getting handed out by hippies mm-hmm. and if you consider that like tens of thousands of people will indefinitely hear this episode, will indefinitely hear Joe Rogan talk, millions of people will hear people talking about Joe Rogan's experience with DMT or whatever. Mm -hmm. They'll know who Terrence McKenna is. Because of YouTube, you you type Alan Watts into YouTube, and there's thousands of hits of these obscure lectures, and those lectures... Started a revolution, mm-hmm. and now there's video of those lectures, cut to stock footage of people kayaking with beautiful swelling techno music. <laughs> you know, I do. I do. I think that we're, you know, in a happening. Yeah, I also see our our kind of unique ability to like isolate and do nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. but I wonder if, if the missing ingredient between a lot of people quietly having these conversion experiences with YouTube or podcasts or, or whatever, if the thing that's missing and I don't think anything's missing I, I feel fine but is there a, a thing that's like, well let's get together <laughs> you know what I mean because that's when you get your timeline photograph right you know what I mean if if you go to Central Park and it's like a B-In or whatever yeah here's all here's a BM. yeah yeah we're going to the BM.
1: but that takes a lot of people actually tuning out of the culture and I think part of me thinks that the culture is so powerful now and it's it's everywhere it's natural too. exactly yeah thing. it's so hard. I have a daughter I know you have a daughter and I'm like how do, do I, I, how do I raise her in this environment how? where, like, she's already looking mm. at our phones? And, like, and it's like, how do I, I know. raise a human being to turn this off? It's so insidious. If you have bee in now, everyone will be posting shit to Instagram. Right? I know, I know.
0: <laughs> so, I guess, you know, we. I wonder if it's up to us to figure out... Because consider Instagram, right? We were in Hawaii, as I just mentioned... And uh, a while ago, and everybody's Instagramming. You know, everybody's proving that they were on a vacation. Mm-hmm. And that's how like, people enjoy things. And that it was awesome. And that it was, <laughs> and that was perfect. <laughs> you ever see that face they make in between smiles? That's a sad face. You know, because they're taking <laughs> a bunch of selfies and then they're looking at them. And yeah. Like, well, they just right. take a picture of their toes and your toes well, are oh, That's great. Yeah, I know. We're in trouble. Or isn't that what we've kind of always been doing? You know, I, I, I try I'm trying to write a joke about how my dad didn't have a cell phone, but he was on his phone at dinner. Mm-hmm. He was on his brain. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like it's it's nothing new. The, the, the distraction is nothing. Yeah. It's just we can see it. Uh-huh. it's the materialization of, of what we've always done, which is take taken mental snapshots. And then told people about what we saw, and then gotten comments and likes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just, but it's easier to discuss uh, because there it is. It's in their hand. Yeah. And, it's, and the crowd is sort of in your head in a new way now. Like, if you put
1: a tweet out. Well, that's different. You know, like, if I tweet something, uh, critics, whatever. I just
0: told you, I conceded that I'm right in there. I'm looking at the feedback in yeah. real time. I'll do. Colbert will air, and I'll see what did people think. Did yeah. they like it or whatever? And that's not normal. You and know, it's that, not I mean, helpful either. That's, that's my question. Not, like, that's why I said I, I deliberately used the word addicting. Uh-huh. It's addicting. It's it's a pro, it's a byproduct of me being jacked up on coffee mm-hmm. and talking all day. It's very hard for me. To stop getting that feedback. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, this isn't hours of me sitting at my bed scrolling. This is just like I just noticed, like every time I went to the bathroom, you get a little dopamine hit from just the, a little hit every time I in a urinal. And I'm they like,
1: know that. Too. Yeah. No, I know.
0: Yeah. Well, they they stagger the the comments. Yeah. To keep you coming back. Everybody that works at these companies tells that gets out mm-hmm. tells you not to use them. Like, yeah, someone wrote an article about like you can't let your kids use this and like. There's going to be laws. I think there will be laws. I'm hopeful that there will be laws. Um, because, unfortunately, I, I think we need things like that. I think we need people to put warning labels on cigarettes. And I think we need to know that Big Gulp uh, you know, sodas are going to cost you a foot. Um, I, I, I'm all for, like, wouldn't it be nice to run around and just be free? But uh-huh. sometimes I think we need somebody out there to go, like, hey, you're manipulating our brains with uh-huh. color schemes and flashing lights uh, that's like casino level hypnosis. Yeah. On our eight year olds.
1: And and teenagers are getting depressed from
0: it. Like. Yeah. It's
1: it's it's like an epidemic now. I know. It's pretty. So I'm I'm a little bit so the B in the the new religious movement. Okay. So, so how do you like take because they're really powerful? Like I I guess
0: I think how what you're do you saying take that is, and that and like. I know. There's sort of something interesting. What you're saying is is that like on one hand the spiritual fist is big and strong mm-hmm. all of these great truths and teachers are getting out there uh-huh. you can get it you can listen to it
1: I do it it all of Rob Bell's lectures
0: for free even like a Easy.
1: fundamentalist pastor in te- Texas I can
0: watch his lectures whatever you want yeah. you can find it so the spiritual arm is strong but then on the other hand for lack of a better you could just call it the secular or like the entertainment <laughs> or the distracting arm mm-hmm. is very strong um, but they're they're kind of in equal measure they're both growing in might so it's still the same fight that it was you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. everything's equaled out it used to be a small excuse me a small and a small now it's a big and a big everything's just gotten bigger yeah but like so if, if there was like a B in I bet we could maybe not the whole time, but I bet we could dedicate an hour where we're just going to be there. That's what I keep trying to do. I do live shows and I'm like, put your phone down. Yeah, not even the phone. It, it, hopefully their phones are out anyway, but it's down. But it's like, can we just can we just share some now?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think people are happy with, like they don't know that they need it necessarily. I don't know that I need it. So that's why I'm saying they don't know that they need it maybe.
1: There's an episode with TJ Miller where he said Comedians and the new preachers, and sometimes with him I can't tell what's uh, (laughs) what's said for hyperbolic effect and what's said for humor. But there was part of me that thought someone wrote that line, so it sounds. Oh, you mean on crashing? Yeah, crashing. Yeah.
0: And I think he said it on the podcast. Did he? So I was quoting him back to him, and um, and do you feel like you're preaching sometimes up there? I am preaching. Uh huh. You know, a, a preacher is somebody who preaches With a board of elders And like has a text and an agenda And a religion and a group uh-huh. So I, I would rather say that I'm talking I like saying that hopefully I'm ministering To really? people In the literal sense, ministering Like like someone bringing you soup Is ministering to your body mm-hmm. You know, So I, I, I don't consider myself A preacher or a minister But like, when I get on a tear And I start talking about the kingdom of heaven is here, and men don't see it. That that's just preaching. I, I say it. And I go. I'm sorry. I'm preaching, but like it's just what's happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's not it's not a service, and a, and it's very important. I make this point in the book. I don't want people to adopt my belief system and then reflect it back to me, and then we can prove that we're in the group. So I don't want to be a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's and by the way, this isn't like that's not an unachievable. Goal. Goal. Ramdas lectured for what thirty years? You yeah. know what I mean. And there was never a Ramdas group. Right. Jews came out, Hindus came out, atheists came out. You know, it, there they were, and it never, it didn't get corrupt. There were no orgies. There was no like mass drug use or any anything sinister. Mm-hmm. So it's totally possible to lecture passionately and verge on preaching about the nature of reality without ever going and now we're going to erect our flag <laughs> and this is it
1: well the followers usually do that right when, when the charismatic leader dies and then like
0: they fight over who gets to carry on like, and we joke about that at the Ram Dass retreat because you know people talk about R.D. dying or uh-huh. like well, if he dies what's going to happen and I, I'm, I'm confident nothing we're going to we'll have his teachings you know his lectures uh, teachings is too strong a word We'll have his lectures mm-hmm. But his lectures are about <laughs> But you know what So are Jesus's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, talk... so you have to be aware of the potential That it could go wonky When you talk about your your
1: um, When you talk about God You're talking about lectures that you do Related to this book or on your podcast
0: Yeah on you're, the, you're on the book tour the and Not that. in my stand up I, I have a couple bits I want I want my standup to stay funny. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't intend to uh mis- misuse the forum. That being said, I when I write a joke now, I start with a point like a a piece of wisdom that I want to make. I'll give you an example. It was like love your enemy. So then I'm writing a joke about how we think about prisoners and how we don't give a shit about prisoners, specifically sexual abuse in prison. And the joke is about love your enemy. And why love your enemy? It's because I don't mind ruining the joke. It's like, you know, we think it's okay that prisoners get raped because it's them, it's prisoners. You make a label and they're... These wayward things So we don't have to protect they them They deserve it They deserve it We love saying Don't drop the soap mm-hmm. That's a fucked up thing to say and then, I, and then I make the point I'm like There was a guy Who was driving He had two glasses of wine Clap your hands If you're Two glasses of wine And driven a car Should be everybody If you drink I mean I'm sure Maybe not But like it's going to be A majority mm-hmm. The guy was hit, t-boned By another drunk driver This guy is way over the limit Hits our guy That's on .09 0.09 gets thrown into a construction site where they're working kills a construction worker and because of the nature of like state laws and stuff and what it's like to kill a construction worker and that he was over the legal limit even though, I, I don't want to say he only had two glasses of wine but he was over the limit mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of people are I go, he goes to jail 15 years for manslaughter so I go, so it's not them it's us and I go, how many rapes for us, for you? And that's Love Your Enemy. Mm-hmm. Now, are all my jokes going to be like that? Is that hilarious? No. But it's fun. It's like, I think it's interesting to have someone sort of move your brain around. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's not the joke. I fill it with jokes. Uh-huh. Like, there's laughs. But that started with Love Your Enemy. Here's a joke about Love Your Enemy. Okay, like the Waze joke. Uh, I have a joke about traffic. I think we already mentioned it. It's like, uh, just be here now. That's the Waze joke. So, but the jokes will still be there. I, I want someone to go and, and not be like, I feel edified necessarily. <laughs> I, I, it's like John Wick. I don't uh-huh. want them to know that it was the blend of the old and the new. Right. I just want them to be like, wow, he killed 900,000 people in that movie. Right. We'll see if it works. Well, and then I'll have lots of dick jokes I can't I can't stop writing jokes <laughs> About sex and pornography And jerking uh-huh. off I just can't I, And I never will I, I just can't <laughs> It's just too rich for me To be like I get this thing and it swells And I put it in that thing It's so fucking weird Yeah I'll never stop talking about that
1: Well there's something brilliant about Like you're deconstructing an idea That we all take for granted Right Just pointing out the weirdness of it Yeah And that's so sort of a sort of how you got to where you are religiously like you just kept unpacking the idea of all right, what do I believe how do I really believe that why do I believe that right. it's like it's interesting it's like a almost like a deconversion novel or not a novel but yeah and I know what you mean you're sort of like deconstructing your beliefs as you go and then building something new
0: which is the important part for me yeah deconstruction I, I have a lot of friends that are deconstructing they've been deconstructing their faith for 20 years uh huh and, uh, no offense to these friends, but playful offense. Uh, fucking, can you move on, please? Yeah. I, I joke, I'm like... And not even necessarily move on to a belief system. Well, just then be an atheist and, and, and be done. Right. You know, we don't have to keep... I don't know. Are they still in, like, the angry phase of atheist? I the guess atheists? they're still angry, yeah. yeah. I I would love for them to, like, go like, okay... Let's build something new Even if it is uh, You know An observatory I guess that would be An atheist church (laughs) Like build an observatory Yeah I've been to atheist churches They're They're They don't last
1: very long Oh really Because Atheists don't Necessarily want The ritual part Like Right I don't know They haven't really worked People have tried A lot of different places But they haven't Sustained congregations Um, Yeah But um, I was going to ask
0: Something before for about how much time do we have? We should wrap up. Okay. I think the car's here, but yeah, we can do your last question or whatever um, if you feel good about that. I I don't remember. So <laughs> it was really awesome to talk to you. I appreciate it, though. Oh, yeah? It was fun. It was my pleasure. Um, thanks for having me. I guess this is my podcast, so I should say, keep it crispy. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. My pleasure.
1: Yeah, thanks for doing it. I'm so crispy, I'm so crispy. My ice game make you just wanna get